Hi everyone, Shaq here. You're listening to episode 7 of the Loose Change podcast. On this week's episode, we discuss the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the tragic passing of Jamal Edwards. On a brighter note, we also look at how we'd spend our lottery winnings and Niaz reveals how to get a snatch waste. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoy this episode. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake, what a blooper. <laughs> that could have gone very left, yeah. depending on what sounds you had <laughs> saved. Loose change, bitch. Hi everyone, I'm Niaz, I'm one half of Millennial Money. I'm Shaq, the other half of Millennial Money. And I'm Timmy, aka Mr. Money Jar. And welcome to the Loose Change podcast. Good to see you both. How are you both? How are you, Timmy? Good, man. Good. Shaq, I can see the sun is shining on your face. You're looking beautiful. Thank you, but I'm I'm roasting here. It's so hot. Like Basically, the room that I'm working in, doesn't have any blinds or curtains because my my landlord, who's also one of my close friends, um, got the curtain dimensions wrong. No exaggeration, maybe four times. So it's like buying curtains, bring them back, putting them up too short, bring them back, putting them up like not wide enough. And now I just don't have any curtains in here. So <laughs> between like half 10 and 11.30, it's just yeah direct sunlight on my face i kind of actually don't like it being sunny in the mornings for this reason <laughs> when i'm working from home but um yeah i think i need to contact like a landlord's association or something get him get him in trouble get these blinds put up. um clive if you're listening uh i think you should put up shack's rent up um I think <laughs> too much of a bargain in london at the moment for snitching <laughs> exactly um we've got quite a few topics to get through this week um And it seems quite poignant to start with um, the situation in Ukraine, um, which has been like a a crazy escalation over the last week or so. Um, And obviously our our thoughts and prayers with the people of Ukraine at the moment. But there's there's so many implications um, that have come out out of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I thought it'd be worth at at least us giving our thoughts and opinions on on what's happening. Um, But yeah, Shaq, um, do, do you have any sort of views on, on on what's been going on well yeah well i mean i'm i'm a pacifist i don't really believe in war uh the you know, majority of circumstances um big believer in sort of conversation and dialogue sort of being a, um, a better option than resorting to war with this particular instance i i, I really don't know the the ins and outs of of sort of the reasons and I'm hoping that one of you two might be able to shed some light, but it does just seem a bit ridiculous that it's being allowed to happen. Um, but I don't really have any, any suggestions on, on what other countries could do, because I don't think that interventions usually make things any better. You know, there's a lot of examples in the past of when Western countries intervene in these sort of conflicts, it just makes matters worse. But I, yeah, I feel like something has to happen. I think there's a there's a couple of things for us as well, because um, we've kind of grown up in the most peaceful time in recorded history by way of conflict. Obviously, there's been conflicts, but um, I think generations before us grew up in an environment where conflict was around them. Um, and we've been fortunate enough for that not to be the case. Um, and I, I entirely agree with you. Um, I would always 
think that diplomacy and conversation, certainly in the way that we grew up knowing the world, um, would make things like possible to resolve uh, without having to actually go into um, ground invasions um, in, in the reality that we live in now. So I have to um, confess that I, I just didn't think it would escalate to what it has. Um, certainly not in Europe. Obviously, there's, there's loads of terrible conflicts happening around the world. Um, particularly in the Middle East, but certainly in Europe, I just, I, I think for a bit, I just, I was kind of like staying away from the news a bit, thinking, surely not. Um, but obviously, it is our reality now. Um, Timmy, I saw, I saw you nodding. What do you think on that? Yeah. So, history and geography haven't been my strong points at all, like not since school. So, I've had to take the past week or two to really go back and understand the history of um, like Russia's history, Eastern European history, Ukraine's history, and um, like understand from both sides where this is taking place. Um, and also I haven't been that politically engaged. I find that one, one of the weird side effects of COVID was that it got me into watching things like prime minister's questions and um, wanting to understand uh, like politicians' movements and stuff. So I've been watching, you know, statements being given in the House of Commons on like the measures we're going to take, the economic sanctions, um, the potential uh, removal of Russia from um, like banking networks like SWIFT. And um, it's made me realise that we are... Like we're born into a world which has a whole history and a context like that existed before we did. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? So to, to our parents' generation, to the generation above them, yeah, this is just the continuation of like a decades-long thing that was bubbling under the surface. But to us, we're like, what? Like, how could there be yeah, how could there be a war in 2022? So there's been a huge period of um education for me for um for reflection and i just hope for just a swift resolution and and peace yeah absolutely and to jump into that context a little bit um i'm no geopolitical expert but i did sort of do some light research um and i think for generations before us there's always been this concept of imperial nostalgia so even in the uk you hear about like generations and we make jokes about it where they talk about a Britain when it was great and or like make make America great again and it talks it has this nostalgia for a time gone past which was much better so applying that concept into Putin's thinking so he basically was uh, an intelligence officer um, in Russia so sort of coming um, at the time where the Soviet Union um, was breaking up right and the Soviet Union was um, and basically an empire of a lot of these eastern bloc countries that we think of and yeah. ukraine ukraine was part of that previously along with many other countries that have sort of become independent and you, you it's important to understand this because putin actually he articled um or he authored something um where he said that the breakup of the soviet union was the single worst thing to happen in the 20th century and he said that was a with a lot of conviction. And if you think about all of the other events that happened in the 20th century, like the, the two world wars, um, um, 
and, and also like uh, the, the devastation that Nazism brought to Europe as well. Um, but he has long stood by the breakup of the Soviet Union being um, the single worst thing um, that happened in the 20th century. So when you think about that ingrained thinking, um, his, I guess, life's work coming to leadership has always been that um, we need to unify at least part of the old um, Russia or what we call Russia now. And he's also like been known to author um, other pieces where he said that it's really sad that some of these countries are now outside of the fringes of um, the motherland's control, Ukraine being one of them. And then understanding the history a little bit more, um, Russia, like hundreds of, year, hundreds of years ago, it, um, or what we know as Russia today, it actually started in where Ukraine is now. So there's this, there's this idea of a one people. Um, and he always, in his rhetoric, talks about the idea of um, Russians and Ukrainians being one people, one nation, um, a lot of the, the rhetoric that you'd think of, of people like when they're referencing like nostalgia of a time gone by. Um, so that's his view, right? And then obviously the geopolitics of the last, I don't know, 50 years. Um, has He's seen all of these countries that he, he felt were part of his people, his empire, um, move further and further westward and um, become more... Um, closely linked and associated with Western powers, because obviously um, there was uh, a period, obviously with the Cold War, where there was a real divide between Western powers and then uh, the Soviet Union, right? Um, and he, he gave an analogy um, in, this, in, this, in this video that I watched. He basically gave an analogy, analogy of, um, look at America and Canada. They're basically ethnically the same. They speak the same language um, and they have almost transparent borders where people can cross freely and um, feel at home, right? And he used that analogy. He also used the analogy of Austria and Germany, speak the same language, ethnically the same. And he said, Ukraine and Russia are exactly the same. We should be able to feel as one. And you kind of think, listen to that point, and you're like, oh, wait, maybe, does he have a point? Um, and and obviously obviously not because of the, the way things have escalated, but that's been his thinking, right? So his perception is, and the way it's been translated um, um, by, I guess, state media, is that this is going to be a quick, swift thing, and this is what the Ukrainian people want. We want to be united again. But actually, the Ukraine of now has moved much more towards Western powers, much more towards wanting um, a better democracy, um, which has really, really impacted Putin and because um, he's just seeing that this gem of the old empire move further and further away from him um, and uh, move closer to his adversaries. And now if you think, to, uh, again, I'm trying to sort of like get, get into the head of like why this is happening. If you think of Americans, how would they react if um, Canada suddenly was getting tapped up by China and joined into some sort of alliance with China? Americans would just be like, wait, what? What the hell is happening? So th that is just like context setting, okay, in terms of like what he feels and believes um, is his rights over this other nation. Now, in the same video I watched, it's, it's a video by Johnny Harris, um, which I recommend anyone to watch. He uses 
he said that's all well and fine in terms of context setting and understanding okay like what um his his claim over this land might be this nostalgia he also then uses the example of um it's like an abusive boyfriend that doesn't accept a breakup um and feels like he has rights over this nation this person still whereas time has moved on let go and that's more akin to the situation now obviously um with a terrible escalation um which no one ever thought would happen yeah it was only four years ago russia was hosting the world cup i mean i think that for people from our generation we just thought that war was a thing that happened in the previous century and that yes countries would go toe to toe with each other but it would be more through trade and like business you know yeah uh, i can't imagine cuz i've seen so um last when i last checked like men aged between 18 and 60 have been banned from leaving ukraine residents being issued weapons um like veterans being given weapons i thought that that was done like i never yeah. imagined because yeah. what, what it does as well is it makes you realize how much of a coin toss it is to have been um born and raised in a particular country that could be us yeah absolutely you know? absolutely and i think that it, it's led to like a great deal of naivety certainly on my part that something like this could happen again um and obviously we have like social media now which makes this whole thing way more weird um so like we're seeing almost people making light of situations, but it's actually really scary. Like, I, I don't know if you're aware of the Klitschko brothers. They're, they're two yeah, yeah. famous boxers who've who yeah. both said they're going to take up arms to protect. One of them's the mayor of Kiev. Um, and they're, they're ready to like be conscripted and take up arms against to defend their nation. Um, it's crazy. Like, you just don't think that this is the kind of reality that we're going to be facing in Europe. I, um, but earlier on today, I was on um, Instagram and uh, Emily Belle, um, the author of You're Not Broke, You're, You're Pretty Rich. Yeah, she um, she posted a picture of her with one of her colleagues, a Ukrainian woman, and she said something. Uh, well, she you know, gave tributes to her colleague, to friends and colleagues in Ukraine, but also said something in the caption I think is really important, which is no one should feel obliged to be tapped into the 24-hour news cycle all day, every day. Because the news is going to news. Mm. You know, if you turn on the news right now, there's going to be a blow-by-blow -blow update of every single thing that's happening there. By all means, stay informed, stay educated, understand the context and all of that. But you don't have to be tapped in to events taking place one and a half thousand miles away 24-7. Yeah, I entirely agree. And I, and I think that's part of why I kind of like, I've been staying away from the news cycle a little bit over the last 18 months. But obviously, it's natural to get, especially like the pantomime politics that we have at home here. I, I just ignore it now because you can just get really riled up. Um, quickly, before we jump into like some of um, the remedies that we're trying, and I use that term very, loose, very loosely, um, and why they might be working, why they won't. Um, I, I, I think people must be hearing the term NATO thrown around quite a lot and not really understand um, what it is. But NATO is basically um, an alliance between the Western uh, nations that I was talking about, talking about before. Uh, it's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. 
um, known as NATO. And initially it was like Canada, USA, Britain. Um, and the alliance has basically grown. Um, been sweeping east, yeah, hasn't and it? It's, and it's encroached on the borders of Russia, basically. Yeah. Which, again, naturally is, it's, it really bothers Putin. Um, and NATO's alliance is, is it's a military alliance, so that should anything go wrong, um, those powers will step in for each other. Ukraine isn't actually in NATO. Um, I think there have been conversations about whether they can and should join. Um, so P Putin, he had some demands, I think maybe a year ago, two years ago, um, where and these were his demands. Um, I, I wrote them down, and he said that um, NATO should stop expanding. Um, all of the troops um, should be like from NATO should be taken out of Eastern Europe. And the USA needs to agree that it won't protect its, its Eastern European allies should anything escalate or happen. But well, NATO has a legal obligation, as yeah. I understand it, to protect its allies. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. The NATO would never accept that. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he basically was saying that if those demands are fulfilled, he won't invade Ukraine. Obviously, NATO laughed those demands off because they're ridiculous. And... What it also means is that this whole invasion has been premeditated. Actually, you can say, like, for as long as Putin's been in power, he's wanted this, he, wa he wanted this landmass back. Um, it, it's not just a sudden thing, because a lot of the other conversations that we were having is trying to figure out what on earth does Putin want? Like, what does he want? Like, what is this devastation, like, worth? What is it that you're looking for? Um, and then when you go back into, like, try to understand his thinking, um, yeah, he, he, he wants to, I guess, unify part of that and take back part of that land. I, I do want... Sorry, Shaq. I think that there's probably quite a few factors at play and, and drivers behind him wanting to do that. So there's the, there's the point that you made earlier, Niaz, where back in the Cold War days, um, there was, I think there was a bit of a divide and, and I've seen that Ukraine was so partially like aligned to Russia more on the eastern side of Ukraine and then to the west on the western side and a similar thing happened in in Germany as well um and then as well as that there's the the element of wanting that buffer against the west there's also the uh, I was reading that one of the reasons they they want Ukraine is to have access to a warm water port so Russia has like thousands of miles of coastline, but it's all um, like on cold seas. Whereas with Ukraine, they have access to a warm water port, which I think is on the Mediterranean. Mm. Um, and then I also think there's just the element of sort of, you know, it being a power play. Yeah, He's basically saying Russia and the West have, have had this, you know, they've had this beef for a, for a long time now. And it's just a matter of him... It, him saying, okay, I'm doing what I want to do. What are you going to do about it? You might may have seen that video of the press conference he did a couple of weeks ago where he basically said, if anyone interferes, yeah. we have a nuclear arsenal uh, incomparable to anyone else and we're not afraid to use it. Like yeah. basically said, if if we go down, everyone's going down. Like that mutually assured dest destruction. Yeah. And he seems like this sort of guy who's who's not lying. Like he yeah. would he probably would be willing to to take out everyone including you know, Russians themselves. So I think that all of those factors are probably contributing as well as probably some others that we're, we're not aware of. And it is a very scary thought because even if you try and appease one or two of those things, it, it might not be enough to discourage him from carrying on.
Yeah, entirely, entirely agree. Um, also added to that, like I've been seeing, uh, you, you guys probably have as well, it doing the rounds of like Ukraine being really resource and mineral rich. Um, again, it, that's why it was like one of the gems of the former Soviet Union, where actually Russia started from historically. Um, um, so there's many, many reasons. And obviously the current um, leaders, the, the current leadership of Ukraine, like Shaq said, um, has become more Western sympathizing, whereas previously it was more of an ally um, to Russia. Um, it's probably worth us going into uh, some of the diplomatic solutions or or things which um, geopolitically have been tried to, to prevent this situation from escalating um, and maybe why some of those things haven't worked. So obviously we've heard a lot about the sanctions um, that have been placed. Um, for anyone that doesn't understand what sanctions are, um, it's basically financial restrictions on, on, on certain goods and services coming out of a certain country to hopefully like constrict them enough where they come to the negotiating table. Um, and that can come in like various iterations. Um, historically, sanctions have been imposed on countries like Russia and Iran. Uh, it was quite effective in Iran. Um, but this time around, it's not been that effective in on Russia, on, on, on Putin's Russia. And I think that's because he was, um, because it was actually a very premeditated move um, and the sanctions haven't been as effective this time. Um, so I was, I was speaking to some of my friends. Um, one of my friends, he's actually like, we call him our Russian correspondent, shout out Rob Harvey. Um, he's fluent in Russian and he just loves the culture and he gives us quite good insight. And even he was like, he couldn't believe that it escalated this far. And he's like in the know of like um, people, like the sentiment in Russia and everything. Um, but um, it, in those conversations we we're having, we found out that Russia basically has built up the fifth largest foreign reserve in the world. So that means they've been buying up foreign currencies. Um, one would think because of the sanctions that are imposed, which would tank the ruble, which is the um, nation's currency, they have um, to fall back on um, a huge foreign reserve so the the sanctions won't be as much of an impact because they have other, other things to lean back on, um, which is obviously quite interesting. The, the big one, Shaq, I, I, I sort of like turn to you, um, is interesting because it's part of the reason why we initially, well, the, the Western and the European powers basically didn't impose heavy sanctions was because of the reliance on Russian gas and energy. In a yeah. So our friend Tobbs that works in um, sustainable energy, he was giving us some great insight the other day, basically saying that one of the reasons that, or what, well, the big driver behind the West not wanting to intervene is the stranglehold that Russia has on the rest of Europe in terms of the reliance on natural gas. So I think Russia, it, for, for most countries in Europe, Russia is the main provider of uh, natural gas. So these are, this is going to be used for fuel and uh, so like heating people's homes, cars, all of that. Um, so uh, the other day, the West were talking about potentially imposing restrictions on using SWIFT payments. So that is international payments. And they 
came to the conclusion that they weren't going to do that. And I think the reason behind them not wanting to do that was because of their reliance on, on Russia for fuel. So Germany, for example, they get over 60% of their fuel from Russia. So if Russia wanted to, they could just then turn around and, you know, cause a blackout in, in Berlin. Um, but it, it, that's now, that's now, they've reversed their decision. So they are now planning to ban Russian banks from using SWIFT, which will mean that Russian banks and, and companies won't be able to operate globally. So I'm not sure if there will be some sort of retaliation from Russia in terms of uh, natural gas there, but it will be interesting to see if, if that does have an effect, because I imagine that Russia were thinking there's no chance that they'll actually ban us from this because of what we could do to them. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to see if that changes changes anything. I think I would imagine there's a delicate balancing act when it comes to imposing economic sanctions on like the extent to which you want to cut another country off as well. Because if we don't interact with Russia at all, there's a chance that you know, sentiments, views, attitudes within the countries could intensify even further than what they already have. Like you do want to yeah. have a, a dialogue, an open dialogue with, with other countries, even if you don't agree completely ideologically. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing. Um, to speak, uh, referring back to um, my friend Rob and, and just like, it's it's always interesting to to hear about the sentiment on the ground in other countries because there's always like a perception that people think the same way as us and um, but we know how how different people think even like regionally in the same countries right um, and particularly in in tight societies where um, the narrative is easier to control in places like Russia and more so in places like China it's di- the dangers are that you can paint adversaries um and you can you can polarize people quite easily um and for anyone that studied history you know what like that kind of propaganda can do um between nations um you can create like a a stark enemy because of some of the things that are happening and you have you have um the west to blame for example um so that's a really good point um but it's it's really scary it's 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 crazy times um and another thing that um, I think the potential, because obviously we've been seeing on on the internet, like everyone talking about World War Three and and things like that, and in part it's been quite comical, but obviously now that this is becoming quite real with a, with with, a, with an invasion of a ground invasion in Europe, um, there's also talk of um, this being like a a puppet case study um, for another invasion, a similar one with similar sentiment happening. Um, by China and Taiwan um, and again that yeah the, the potential of that is there um, and we hope that it never it never happens and it never comes down to that but there is real potential for things to then um, just by small decisions and miscalculations to really descend into something quite catastrophic across the, the world. The thing with the World War Three thing is surely World War Three would be over in about five minutes. There's no winners there is actually no winners. I was I was messaging again, trying to make light of any anything, but quite respectfully, like I was talking about. What do you think the safest region would be if there was mutually assured destruction across the world? Um, would it be Australia? Would it be the Middle East? Like, 
would be just in the deepest, darkest, like ocean channel. Yeah, it would. It would have to be some some of the small islands, I imagine. Because um, if Taiwan was um, invaded, um, Australia would be pulled in because of its location um, as an as a as an as an ally of the US against China. Um, Asia would be pulled in apparently in a, in a supposed um, case study. Apparently, China has basically. Um, um, written out this I don't know if it's a handbook or something again there's sources to this which I can link in video form um, where if they were to invade Taiwan and the US then came to defend from the Taiwanese side because China would then be um, in combat with US and its allies um, they have planned or foreseen that India would try and take advantage of that situation and attack from the west of China so then China would be in a two-front war and then the Tibetans which is currently under Chinese control would also rise up to try and get their land back suddenly you've got potentially the u.s in conflict with russia and china and then is is that is world war right I, I did see an article this morning saying that china abstained from uh, a recent motion um which i think people were expecting them to back russia on so they're saying that perhaps that's a sign that it's not all not yeah. gravy between those two. So yeah. the, the the relationships between all of these countries is, is, I imagine, very nuanced. And it's not just a case of the West versus Russia and China. Yeah. Um, I don't think that, yeah, Russia and China, you know, necessarily partnering up is, is something that we would expect. I also don't think that, um, as much as the narrative may point towards this, I don't think any country wants war. Um there might be, obviously, like um, you, you hear about things like war machine, there might be individuals, nefarious individuals that who profit from war. Um, but I don't think any country actually wants war. Even Putin now, he, I think he was expecting this to be a very quick, quick invasion, quick like fall and then done, quick resolution. And I don't think it's going to pan out that way. Um, and the same for yeah. other powers as well. Yeah, Ukraine is um, not... Um, yeah, not gonna take this one. Have you seen? Um, have you seen the video of the the um, Zelensky just just on the roads? Yeah, yeah. Just just with the guys in the background. Yeah. So I saw I saw that video. It was in Ukrainian, um, but some someone somewhere has translated it into English. They've subbed it with English, and then they put shook ones as the backing track, and it goes so well. I just, I just don't know what to. So is that the the like president or the prime minister of Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like I'm here, my guys are here, the citizens are here, yeah. but with with but with shook ones as like the backing track. <laughs> I think that is a very powerful thing for your leader to actually be on the front lines. You know, back like back in the medieval days where your king would actually be riding up. Because, yeah. like I said, I'm a pacifist. I don't believe in war because, I mean, number one, why? should you go out and fight someone else's war? You know, I don't have any beef with these, yeah. these other countries, but if you're the leader of your country were willing to sort of go and yeah. do it as well, that would make me slightly more inclined to actually. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's, it. cause it's lions led by lions, not lions led by donkeys after that. Like, yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, it's, it's easy, very easy for people to, um, create a law whereby citizens have to go out and fight while they're sat in their ivory tower, you know, because they're not the ones that are in danger. But if they're willing to actually go out and fight for a certain cause themselves, then I think that would 
you know, send a message to citizens like, oh, okay, like we're actually fighting for something that they believe in. Can you imagine Boris in the front lines? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be backing that. What would you do if we had conscription here? I'm going jail. I'd be going, yeah, I'd be going pen for sure. I'm going Muhammad. But it's like, you know, when Muhammad Ali was Muhammad saying, Ali why, vibe, yeah, I'm going why, would, why would I go and fight this war? Uh, they've done nothing wrong to yeah. me. For a country that doesn't love me anyway, like. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so I was going to say, do you think that there's a degree to which we might feel this way because our parents came here from, well, like, I never know whether we're first generation immigrate, uh, immigrants or second generation. I never know how to I'm, number it. I'm, well, I'm second generation i'm 1.5 so my okay, mom that, my mom was born here my dad wasn't so yeah i think you're i'm first first I would, you might have got that yeah. completely wrong but that's how i've always thought of it anyway but um yeah so i, I was right yeah is there, is there a degree to which we're kind of like well you know this country has shown me time and time again that it doesn't even yeah see me as being part of it so why would i why would i defend it yeah also also people forget that um the, the Commonwealth at the time also fought in the world wars and that seems to have been scrubbed away from history. Like you had troops across the Commonwealth that were on the front lines during the great wars, because you hear this, um, it comes, there's a lot of like racist rhetoric that comes, Oh, we our, our um, grandparents fought in the wars for your freedom. So did ours. <laughs> like, yeah. So I went to the exhibition at Tate Britain the other day, uh, life between the islands, which documents art, um, with Caribbean influence from, I think it was the fifties right through to present day. And in one of the sections, they have a lot of, um, a lot of like photographs and, and posters and things from, um, post, well, sorry, world war two, where basically Britain was appealing to the Commonwealth to come and fight for it. And basically making out like, you know, we're like your, your mother country, um, like we need you come and fight for us. Like if you like really love us kind of, kind of thing. Um, yeah, just appealing to people. And then obviously they've got, they had a, a load of people sign up and, and coming to fight for them. Um, but like Nia said, that's kind of not really spoken about. Yeah, for sure. And and on that point as well, um, so I think you make a, a great point to me around kind of not feeling wanted. I think we should probably mention situation in ukraine at the minute for black immigrants yeah, so there's this morning there's yeah there's a lot of african and, and i didn't know this but there's plenty of african and caribbean immigrants in ukraine and you'd think that you know i i expect or i always have this perception of eastern europe where perhaps uh you know more racist than than in the west but you would think that in times like these that there would be a unity you know, the country's under invasion, but that's not the case. And they're actually refusing to let black families on trains to escape the country. There's videos from, and I've seen the videos of, of the train station as well. There, there's Ukrainians literally forcing black people off the trains, not letting them get on. And I've also seen videos from the Ukraine-Poland border as well, where the Polish uh, military police are refusing to let black people through saying whites only. And I just think it's incredible that even at times like this, you know, people still find in their hearts to, to be racist. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you've summed it up perfectly there. I did not know that was happening. That is a real bummer. Yeah. It's a, it's a tragic tale of the human condition, um, which unfortunately I think is just always going to be the case. Um, 
but we just I, I guess what we can control is the influence of ourselves and and those around us um yeah otherwise you'd be so stressed that the world isn't changing but yeah i think um so on that though and, and to round up none of us are geopolitical experts but i think it's important with certain things that are happening around the world um not to celebrate ignorance but actually learn about what's happening in the world um there's so much that we have to learn as well but um yeah it's it I, I think in certain times it's it's good to keep abreast of current affairs. Um, Definitely. And, and I think this idea that you have to be an expert in a field in order to be able to share your opinion on it is, is very flawed. As long as you're open in your, your level of knowledge, you know, as long as you're not claiming to be an expert and, and spouting yeah. things, then I think it's important to have these discussions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree entirely. Um, but yeah, from from sad news to to sad news. Um, obviously, last last week, Jamal Edwards sadly passed away, age thirty one. Yeah, rest and in um, that really, yeah, that really hit me because uh, I didn't know him personally. Although it was very interesting to see just on my socials how many people had um, crossed paths with him. Yeah. over the course of his life Did, didn't know him personally but sbtv yeah massive massive part it's of just, my it's just a huge cultural influence on our yeah not not even our childhood our, our coming of age for the last yeah. decade it's it's shaped british culture yeah and um because just as a grime as a fan of grime music that was how you got to see stormzy boy better know yeah um like wiley freestyles it was on that um on that YouTube channel. I remember very, very, um, very clearly when he did his 100 million views video and it yeah. was a boy better no freestyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the one. Is it out, outside of um, their tower block in, in yeah. Tottenham, yeah, in Meridian? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was amazing. No, honestly, like the, the influence of, of Jamal has been seismic. Um, he also remember, he's, um, Ed Sheeran cites him as being responsible for launching his career. So it's, of course. it's not... Um, and Ed Sheeran now is one of the biggest like megastars in the world. Um, and he like first started to go viral on SBTV and they yeah. had a great friendship. Um, I didn't know Jamal personally. I met him a couple of times, I think once at Bestival, because um, he had like a, a stage which he hosted next to, um, like it was just a small stage and we, we were there um, as, as punters. But I remember seeing him um, and some friends of ours from uni um, actually like co-hosted the stage with him and it was really like touching to see their tributes um, and also um, a good friend of of ours um, Sam who is just like the king of the internet he's he set up um, a clothing brand called Picante and uh, started a meme page actually um, um, called Soho House Memes and he was saying that Jamal became a good friend of theirs and just was constantly with, with taking nothing away from them just giving them business advice how to scale their brand. Um, and then just listening to other podcasts this morning and, and throughout the week, it seems that he was always trying to help people just to fulfill their potential, particularly in this new age with the advent of the internet. Um, I also heard about another story. Alhan had him on a call with investors and Jamal just sat into the Zoom call with his camera off just to make sure that everything was covered off. And Alhan then asked him afterwards, like, like what do you want from this? He goes, nothing. And just just here to help and 
that was like kind of his character. Um, and I think it's all summed up in a tweet that he posted, which gets retweeted, um, where he talked about the goal isn't to live forever, it's to build something that will. Um, and I think that quite poignantly sums up like his impact on certainly British culture, black British culture, um, but just as a whole in, in terms of who he was as a person and, and, and what he stood for. Yeah, I, th I think the amount of people that are sharing anecdotes of him and the amount of stories um, of, of him influencing people's lives is really a testament to the kind of person that he was. For sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just been a big wake-up call for me, which is like, if you can... You know, if you're in a situation that you're not happy with, it could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be anything really. Like, do try your best to to bet yourself, to better the situation, to live the best life you possibly can because you literally don't know how long you have. Um, I remember when Cadet died, yeah, the MC, and Jamal posted... A message in respect of Quebec going like life is really unpredictable yeah can't believe you're no longer with us yeah and then yeah, I can't crazy. remember how many years ago this was but like four yeah. years later people are like posting that for Jamal so it's crazy I had to really sit down and be like what am I doing what am I doing that's working yeah what do I want to work what do I want to work on and what do I want to achieve with my life you know, and money comes into that. But it, when you really like think about the question seriously, it's not about making loads and loads of money. It is about building something at last. And it is about building connections and helping other people. That's the stuff that comes to the surface for me. Yeah, I agree, man. And question for you, because I've had a very similar experience over the last year, which I've been very like transparent about. So um, Jamal being 31 and being younger than you, Timmy. Yeah, or, or, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right. That 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 really sticks to your mind, doesn't it? When you, when of you, course, yeah. So of course, I'm I'm 32. Um, he's 31. So I had a similar experience last year when my cousin passed away, and um, he is he was 27, um, and died suddenly, and um, that one, and it was a few months after my mum passed away, and that, but that one hit me in a different way because it made me have the same kind of like questions that you've just mentioned there where you're just like we have there is no age like we expect to live to 80 but there's no promise of that and it, you really start to think about the priorities that you have and what matters um and one thing that stuck out to me particularly in London and like this very like fast life that we have um it made me sit back and think how much of this like fast life am I living for myself and how much of it is for the expectations of other people um and what is it that's important to me and the thing that i actually the things that i actually value and what are the things that i'm doing because i think society expects of me um and i think the quicker that people get to a point where they're like actually thinking about things that are important to them and things that are valuable and they're actually like leaving something valuable for the world it's quite a powerful, it's a, it's a difficult change initially if you're used to being a certain type of person. But I have some amazing friends. Um, I remember like Shaq, I text you like 
two or three days afterwards when I decided to make some big changes in my life. And I was honestly shitting myself because um, people only knew me a certain type of way. And I was like, I'm probably going to lose all my mates. But then just having my best friend message me back and saying, what are you talking about? Like, of course. And, and then just being so supportive in some of the changes that you're making in your life um, has been like instrumental in, 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 in just approaching life differently. But you have the fear reaction. Yeah. Or and not, not you singular, but like one has that fear reaction because it brings to light what's actually real. If you're scared of losing your friends, then they weren't your friends. That's like exactly people... that's exactly what someone said to me. One of my one of my best friends who lives in America, that's exactly what he said to me. Um, which was obviously probably what I needed to hear at the time. Yeah. And it <laughs> obviously it is not productive to go through your whole life going yeah, you're not really my friend, so I'm not going to, but like, not, you're, there are just some things in your life which are almost like operating at a surplus sort of level, which would just fall away once the circumstance changed or once like the situation changed. And that's absolutely fine. I don't think there's a, any need to judge it or anything like that, but that that's why you become fearful. I, I have fear over things as, um, uh, about things as well. But when compared to, like, the idea of passing away, um, particularly early, all these small things you're scared of just become very, very small. Yeah. Absolutely. They're just not that big a deal. Absolutely. And I think it's a coming of age thing anyway. As you get older, you, you care less about some of the stuff that you used to care about. And you care more about other things that are important to you. Actually, question for both of you, um, and it might be putting you on the spot slightly, but is there anything that you'd say as you've um, approached this stage of your life where you're currently, that you've currently matured into, um, is there anything that you've like learned about yourself that you actually quite enjoy or find fulfilling um, that you might not have considered before? Timmy, I'll go with you first. So have I learned anything about myself, which I've that you, come that you, that to... You, yeah, pri- come to prioritise something about yourself or like it could be a new hobby or something that you'd like derive value from which previously like hadn't hadn't been considered before oh yeah totally i hope this is answering your question properly so um when i was young um probably like late teens early 20s i really really prioritized and idolized wealth building so not, not becoming rich but i would think you know the point of life is to become super wealthy run a super successful business, like at all costs and to, like the accumulation of, of capital. But then I've gotten older and I've realized that the game and, and like things like generational wealth as well, all these things are important. Um, but now I'm slightly older. I think the priority is health. Like, and, and the moment came to me um, last year when I was at my wife's granddad's 90th birthday. And um, he was just at a table surrounded by his entire family, walks without a walking stick, just full health, just having a Guinness. I was like, wow, like, imagine if I just grew up to just be really old and healthy. Like, how sick could that be? Yeah. And so that made me think, like, and, and the thing is, he has money as well. Like he's achieved stuff in his life as well, because that just happens over the course of your life. But it made me go, okay, so 
really, I need to be like prioritizing what I'm eating. I need to be exercising. I need to be looking after my mind because these are the things that are going to be left at like towards the end of my life. Whereas I've heard stories about people who are like super wealthy, super successful in conventional terms, but they were really unhealthy or like even sadly, like they became unwell and like passed away. And one of the, um, I think one of the lies that like our capitalism, our capitalist system sells to you is that you should delay gratification at all costs. You know, the kind of idea is like, if you want to be wealthy, invest this thing, wait for 50 years, and then you'll be a millionaire or whatever. And like, that's fine. You should definitely invest a thing, but you're not guaranteed to be alive 50 years later. And plus in 50 years time, I'm going to be 80. So <laughs> you're just saving that, saving that money for your, for your kids and grandkids <laughs> to enjoy themselves, aren't you? But, but, but then you might like, not even my like kid, them. Yeah, no, they may not like or care about me. Do you know what I mean? It's not, they're going to be like, oh, thank you, granddad, for investing this money 50 years ago to give to me at Christmas. Like, they may not care, you know? So for me, it's been health, like fully, fully like my health. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good one. Um, what about you, Shaq? Is there things that you've realized about yourself? Yeah, I... When you asked that question initially, what came to mind for me, which I think might be something that's applicable to, to most people and it's just part of getting older, but really just caring a lot less about what people think about you yeah. um, and more about how you view yourself and how those close to you view you. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, I, I kind of think that is just part and parcel of, of getting older and just, maybe like growing up with, with social media as well and thinking that you have to have like a certain image and portray yourself a certain way. And then just getting to the point being like, but why do I, yeah. I really care what these people who I, I don't care about them. So why should I care about what they think about me? Definitely. I think that's a really good one. That's something that I've definitely experienced as well. Um, and it's more difficult in our generation because we've kind of grown up with eyes on us all the time with social media and always having to like, upkeep this perception um almost like less than z list celebrities in our own head because you think about like um the celebrities of the noughties who used to talk about like how troubling it was to always feel like they had people following them around and they were always being watched and we kind of superimpose that experience on ourselves through social media feeling like you're always being watched and always having to look good and there's days where you just don't look good and you just don't feel good but yeah, and you just feel like you're being watched. Um, so I think getting older and like caring less about that stuff, which really doesn't matter because, um, like you said, I, to your previous point, Timmy, if when it comes to like death, or which is uh, not to be morbid, but when you're considering something as 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 grave as that, you're who who fucking cares about what this person that you don't know thinks about you? So the <clears throat> I used to listen to. Steve Jobs Stanford speech um, on a daily basis at one time because I just found the messages in it so powerful. I don't know. Have you guys heard it? I've, I've heard some of uh, his commencement speeches. I don't know if I've uh, heard the Stanford one. I haven't heard it, no. Um, so let me see if I can pull up um, his, his speech because the words he says um, are really inspiring. Was it like more than one lecture? 
No, it was all one, all, all, all one talk. So he says, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations or pride or fear of embarrassment or failure, these just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. Yeah, I've I've heard that quoted before, um, but it's so true. Um, I think if more people were... If more people, if, this is a double negative, but if more people were less afraid to fail, I feel like we'd see a lot more innovation in the world um, mm. and just a lot more people trying stuff. Um, and I say this is kind of like a reminder to myself as well, because if you don't try something, you're guaranteed that it's not going to take off. But you have every chance if you do. Um, and I think... We look at people that have like made a success of anything. I don't know. It might be YouTube. Gonna YouTube is is one for me, which I've been putting off for two years now. You and me both. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been putting that off for two years. And you look at all of these YouTubers that have made it, and they're just like, we didn't do anything special. We just kept posting and just kept doing it and just kept turning up when others sacked it off, basically. Um, yeah. So if you don't try something, I think you're guaranteed to fail. Um, but if you do, there is every chance that you will exceed the expectations that you have for it at the start. I need to apply that to wanting to win the lottery because I, <laughs> I never, I never actually play, but I want that jackpot. <laughs> How big is it these days? It's like ridiculous numbers. It, it can vary because when they have rollovers and stuff, but I think, yeah, if they have a few rollovers, it can get into the hundreds of millions for the Euro millions. Do you know what? I would love to talk on a future podcast episode about winning the lottery and was, like what uh, actually happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was going to ask something different and maybe I will ask this now. So quick game with both of you because I know everyone's done this. So I used to do this when I was in school. <laughs> when I was in school, I used to have a bit of a commute into school. Um and then I had I had a bit of a walk from the station to school, and um, I used to imagine winning the lottery, and then like spend it in my head. And then by the time I got into school, I'd realise I hadn't won the lottery, and I'd be pissed off the whole day, because like, because I'd won in my head and and I'd imagine the money. But like, say like fifty million jackpot, you've definitely done this before. You're like, how would you spend it? How would you save it? Yeah, I do this every time I play the lottery. So I've probably played it less than ten times in my life. But every time I play it, I kind of convince myself that I'm going to win. I'm like, wow, I think this is actually my time, you know. <laughs> so, 50 mil. So I'm not sure who I would tell. It's a starting point. So I always thought like close family. But then my mum's a bit of a chatterbox. So I know that if I told my mum, she would, like everyone she knows would know. She'd probably post on Facebook. So I'd have to kind of like gift her some money but without her knowing where it came from, I might have to tell her I'm a, a drug dealer or something. <laughs> Look, mom, don't tell anyone, but yeah, I can sort you out with a little stipend each month. But yeah, I think first point of call would be like, yeah, giving money to um, close friends and family, making sure that they're set up, like, yeah, at a minimum being able to buy a house and just make sure that they're comfortable and alleviate some of their financial worries. Then I'd probably quit my job. Sorry if any of my colleagues are listening, but I just... I'd, I'd still want to work in some capacity, but it wouldn't definitely wouldn't be a nine to five. 
then I would be looking to book a holiday immediately, probably go to the Caribbean, spend uh, a couple of weeks there. And then while I'm out there, I'd be be browsing as well for a, for a nice new home back in London and probably look for a holiday home while I'm out there as well. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, I'll have, I'll have an AP please from, from your winnings. Um, yeah, sure, mate. <laughs> Just send, send me a link of the one you want. <laughs> Timmy, how would you spend 50 mil? Yeah, I kind of agree with Shaq. I think I'll start at the bottom of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and just make sure like the food and shelter equation is solved for me and, and those close to me. Um, and then I would also go traveling because there's loads of places I've wanted to go. And um, I'll do like a little tour of like, all the things I've, I've always wanted to see the Northern Lights. I've never been wow. to Australia or the South American continent. Um, I've always wanted to go to California and, and see General Sherman. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you know what that is. I have no idea. I have no idea. Have no yeah. idea. Oh, <laughs> General Sherman is the biggest tree in the world. Oh, nice. Where is it? Sorry. California. Oh, that would be pretty amazing actually. so it's like a sequoia is it, is it the, is it the like, one that's really old as well like a yeah yeah old. yeah it's like it's like as wide as a house and it just goes into the sky just infinitely um, oh wow so i'll go and see that and then on a day-to-day basis i don't think oh i would kit i'll just buy every single like games console known to man and i'll just kit out some like man cave somewhere um but day to day i don't think my life would change that much it would just be mr money jar but on a more elevated level so like instead of recording this remotely we would be in a studio somewhere yeah um just the best flying the studio around the world with us (laughs) if you if you had won 50 million I'd be under your comments on Mr. Major. How dare you tell me how to manage my money? <laughs> yeah. You're so you're so disconnected from reality. You don't yeah. know me. And I'd be like, Shaq, you just cancel your Netflix and uh, <laughs> you'll, um, you'll be right where I am. Yeah. But yeah, it would literally be everything we're doing now, but just like the best. So we would yeah. be in a studio with the best audio interface the sickest monitors, the sickest microphones, the sickest cameras, and just, and then rather than like us doing the clipping and stuff, like we'd bring in people and like employ people yeah. um, to, to like do the work. And it'd just be, yeah, that kind of like Vox kind of financial, yeah. like media company just churning out just insane <laughs> co- people just at home like, ah. Constant, <laughs> ah. <laughs> That's so jokes. I would, I would have to agree with both of you in terms of like how we'd spend it. So travel, sorting out family and friends. Um, Shaq, you don't like watches, I'll buy you a car. Um, and what I'd actually do is, I've just thought of it uh, as an addition to what you both said, I'll set up a YouTube channel called Spending My Millions <laughs> and, then, and then make more money from the money that I've uh, accumulated. And just doc- doc- and just document myself spending spending my millions. I'm not sure if this has been done before, but like doing that, but then sort of crowdsourcing the ideas of what you spend it on as well, so people can like vote yeah. on what you spend your money on. Isn't that what Mr. Mr. Beast, Beast Mr. Does? Beast? Yeah. So, well, kind of. He's he's basically like the biggest YouTuber, 
apart from like PewDiePie and others, but he makes his videos. Sometimes he spends like tens of millions on them. Um, but I think that's his, his USP is the fact that he has so much money spent on his content. So then he makes shit loads back. Um, yeah, and he we've reached ultimate peak levels of capitalism. <laughs> you <laughs> watch me spending money, yeah. tell me how to spend that money so I can make more money. Yeah. It's mad. Crazy. Nice, nice situation to be in. Now I've convinced yeah, myself. Now I've yeah, convinced I need myself. to. I need to buy myself a ticket now. Yeah, I've spoken about it. Yeah, I've convinced. So, myself so can I ask? When it comes to the lottery, I'm not sure if either of you are are regular players, but do you pick your numbers or do you lucky deck? Uh, well, when I've played it, I don't really play it that much anymore. In the past, um, I used to have a few numbers that I'd pick, but then I just started to just lucky dip it because I was like, this is so pointless. My numbers will never come up. What do you do? Oh, I have to lucky dip because if you, I think number one, you're more likely to win on lucky dip because, because the numbers go up to 49, right? So people always pick numbers based on dates. So they never really go above 31. So lucky dip is more likely to win you because of that. And then also if you played regular numbers, you have to play every week. Because imagine you don't play it one week for whatever reason, and then your numbers come up like that's that's destroying me for life. I'm never ever getting over that. Imagine you missed out on a hundred million pound jackpot because you forgot to play your numbers. So for me, that's just like a massive, massive no. That's actually true. Very smart thinking. What about you, Timmy? Um, I've only played it a couple of times, um, but I would, I'll probably lucky dip it. I'd be interested to read about what statistically. Is more likely though, like keeping one variable the same, or um, or keeping the numbers random. But then there are also like lottery syndicates. There are people who mm. like, yeah, yeah, or play or play together. There used to be one of those in my first job, but it's like they used to have it like years before I came, and it used to be like all the mums in the in the team they set up like a mums lottery syndicate, and they used to all just get tickets every week. Were you not allowed to get involved? No, I'm unfortunately not. Fresh new graduate just coming <laughs> in, sitting with the mummies. The point um, I was going to make, like, just right at the top of this conversation was, be I would genuinely on a future um, pod be interested to speak to you about the reality of winning a lottery because you do hear these stories yep. about, like, people who win the lottery. Yeah. They go absolutely mad for a few years. And, and then within broke. a decade, they're broke again. Yeah, less than a decade, actually. Less than a decade, yeah. Way, Way less. less. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. Um, yeah, I think we should definitely, I mean, the idea would be if we could get a, a previous lottery winner on to speak with us, I think that would be... That's a very good shout. Very good shout. We should do some outreach. Yeah, what's it actually like? Yeah. And also, and also, like, how does it change your relationship? So Shaq, clearly, we will know Shaq has won when you just see Shaq is out of office. <laughs> forever actually that's a, that's another really interesting one for us to um i can get a guest on who would be keen to talk about their experiences of having a big windfall and how it changed their relationships with money and people um yeah that's another one for a future episode quickly before we finish this crazy topsy-turvy episode um is it this thursday that covid is over yeah according to who ceases to exist <laughs> who decided i guess well it's only for 
for England, right? Not even the rest of the UK, but for England, COVID's done. And if you travel, if you cross the border into Wales or Scotland, then COVID exists again. I went on the bus yesterday wearing my mask and no one else was wearing one because I I got on and like everyone gave me a weird look and no one else was wearing one. I, I was like, oh, I'm the only person on the top of the bus wearing a mask. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I have to admit, I haven't worn a mask in good two or three weeks now um, with the, I guess, with the restrictions being lifted. I've had my booster. I've had COVID twice. And I guess that kind of like that, that crowd mentality of when you see no one else wearing a mask, mm. you kind of think, oh, well, I don't need to wear one as well. And with the weather getting better, I perhaps naively starting to think I'm a bit kind of invincible to it. And hopefully that's not famous last words. I don't catch it again, but um, yeah, ho- hopefully it's not too early and we don't end up having a, another massive spike in cases and have to go through the, the debacle that we have been over the last two years. But I guess only time will tell. But don't, isn't, isn't COVID, isn't the game basically about vaccinating the entire planet up to a level? Because if we don't vaccinate the world, then we will just get more variants. And the thing is, I I now take my kind of knowledge from, not, not from what politicians say, but from what the scientists say. So the last um, press conference, Witty and, and Valance were just like, look, the weather is getting better, da, da, da. but like, we still need to exercise caution. We will have more variants and variants spread either by being so weak that they can live with us or by escaping our immunity. And there is no guarantee that the future variants when they come will be weaker, stronger, or the same as Omicron. And like, are we just gonna be talking about the Sigma variant this winter when it comes to us from another country? I'm already like ready for that. Who knows? Maybe we're actually just going to have a form of COVID for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that was one of the theories when it first came out that it just becomes an endemic thing. But yeah, I, yeah, my patience with it has just descended into apathy now, which is, yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, agreed. It's been a a long two years, and I guess we're we're saying that from a bit of a privileged position where we've been relatively healthy and. Um, people we know that have had COVID have, have managed to, most people we know have managed to, to stay healthy. But um, yeah, it's been a very long two years. And I think a lot of people are looking forward to hopefully seeing the, the back of it. But as Siri mentioned, we, we don't know for sure. And we're kind of placing faith in the decision makers and the experts that this is the, the right decision. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, to bring us to a close, um, and onto our bit of loose change. I want to start by saying, Shaq, um, I really appreciated your loose change last time. So I was giggling when I listened to it back. But um, when I was changing my sheets, I went first to look for the label and it sped up my process quite a lot, as much as I hated that task. It does, doesn't it? Because I don't know about you, sometimes when I'm putting my sheet on, I like, I try and do it the other way around. So like rather than the narrow end, I'll kind of be like putting that on the the horizontal side. But now just looking out for the label, yeah, that's definitely reduced my errors in that task. Yeah, no, no, it definitely helped. I've actually got one which I found practically useful for me recently. 
I don't know about you, and I'm, I don't know if I'm just like exposing myself, um, but we we take far less um, heed of our dental appointments um, and like our dental health than we do our medical health, or if, if you can call it that. Um, and obviously, I've been visiting my new dentist, Dr. Hugh Harding, who's also one of my best mates. Um, it's actually ridiculous because we're in the room and I'm just sat there like giggling. This is so surreal. He's about to inject my face, but this is like one of my mates I've known for years. Um, and he he's built me a new tooth. It's amazing. Like he replaced one of my like back molars basically. And I didn't realize I'd been in, I'd got used to discomfort and pain for four years where I had this um, like rubbish crown. Um, and he replaced it and I, I had to text him and be like, mate, you're, you're so good at your job. And he wasn't taking me seriously. I was like, you're so good at your job. But like, this has changed my life. My mouth is really comfortable now. I didn't realize I was in discomfort. Um, but um, then I watched a video of some dentists saying that people don't realize that um, dental discomfort or like not taking care of your dental health is you should treat your mouth like an organ. Um, and actually it can cause... It, it, it can cause like loads of other um, illnesses that we don't even consider. Um, again, I could be completely misquoting like Alzheimer's and other things that come later down the line because of um, not looking after your dental health. Um, but I definitely hadn't prioritized my dental health properly before. And I think that's partly because of the expense um, and that you're just like, you just put it off and then suddenly you're like, oh, I haven't been to the dentist in a year or over a year. Um, but now I'm trying to make it much more of a regular habit. So if you're listening to this, and I know, even if you don't admit it, there's going to be loads of people who haven't been to the dentist in over two years. That yeah, that, that's that's definitely a no, thing. No. Like because I didn't have any like tooth pain, I didn't go to the dentist for like a few years, and then I went, and like they were like, oh yeah, like it's fine, but you do have some stuff where if it hadn't been seen, then yeah, it could could get worse. Yeah, exactly. So uh, go to the dentist. Quick plug. Uh, if you're in North London, go to visit my friend, Dr. Hugh Harding. Uh, he's brilliant. <laughs> Timmy, any any loose change for you? Maybe I'll stay on the theme of, of health. Um, Jenny shared a quote with me today from a, a writer that she follows. I forget the writer's name. And when the writer was asked, what, what are one of your tips for writing a book? The tip was do back exercises because back pain can be really distracting. Honestly, that is, look, I'm having to wear a back brace. <laughs> like, it's, I, that I looks like, like a corset to me. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like such an old man. Like when I sit, I have to wear this flipping back brace now. Um, so one of the jobs I need to do is get a, a new office chair. We have one good one and one just absolutely terrible one where just the, the action of sitting on it just makes your back hurt. And um, I'm going to go into Curry's PC world specifically because I want to be able to sit on it and, and trial it. And actually, shout out Curry's PC world because actually in this world where you know, you buy stuff online. They actually, it's actually one of the last places you can go in still and like see the thing before you buy it. Yeah. And I think that that is like, it's dying out. Yeah, forgotten art. Yeah. So I'm going to go sit on the chair and um, and hopefully bring one home uh, to, to look after back health because so much of the stuff we do, content creation, podcasting, work, all of that, 
um yeah nice i like that shaquille i'll i'll stay on the health theme as well so i for the last couple of years i've given blood quite regularly coming up to my my 10th donation and it's just something that not enough people do for for one reason or another and perhaps you think it's too time consuming or that it's painful and it's honestly so easy to sign up for it will take maybe half an hour of your time and you could potentially be saving someone's life and i guess this was probably like a, a selfish way to view it but i'm sure there's people out there where if you or someone that you knew needed a donation you you know you'd want to make sure that that was available to them so by going and, and giving blood uh, yeah you could potentially be saving someone's life so i would urge everyone to to register and, and try to do it at least once or twice a year I love that, Shaq. Yeah. Um, they even, I, I, I donated in like November, December times. They, they send you a text now, don't, don't they, to let you know when it's been used? Yes, they do. And because they're so keen to get people to sign up as well, they'll like find you your nearest donation centre, like find a time that works for you as well. So there's times like during working hours, you go before work, you go after work. So it's, um, yeah, they're, they're trying to make it easier for everyone to do. And one other point that i'll add is that they always sort you out with the snacks afterwards as well because they want to make sure that you're that you're feeling good so once you've donated your blood sit down have yourself a couple club bars some crisps it's a (laughs) it's a nice experience yeah i really really like that one that's a really important reminder um i need to sign up to do that um and honestly i've seen i've been on the other side and i saw the benefit um so my mum when she uh was really unwell uh needed blood transfusions um and I didn't realize how transformative it can be because uh, she developed like anemia and having red blood cells like um, g- given to us the difference between like not being able to really move in the day to having energy to walk around and function. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great reminder. I'm going to sign up this week. But yeah, thank you guys. I've really enjoyed speaking to you both. Brilliant. Yeah, episode. great conversation today. Yeah, really, really, really good. Um, Shaq, do you want to do the honors of closing us off with the accounts because i will always make a mistake <laughs> yeah sure so thanks for listening everyone make sure to give us a follow on instagram at loose change pod and also give our other accounts a follow on insta at millennial money uk and at mr money Jar. thanks for listening take care everyone